Hello, everyone. This is Sylvia Dixon, recording from Toledo, Ohio. And this is Jade Brooks, recording from Dallas, Texas. And this is Alex Dixon, recording from somewhere. <laughs> Mom's house. <laughs> okay. And what are we listening to? Or what are people listening to? What does it kill me? <laughs> Hello, Jade. Hello, Mom and Little Z. Hi. We have a special little guest with us. So, for since this is going to be a kid build episode, we thought we'd bring our little, my little one, to say hello and to be a part of it. He's over here dancing a little. You can't see, but he's dancing. <laughs> so, any news from you, Jade? Um, let's see. Nothing too much. I went to a convention and I got to meet um. A couple people. Mm-hmm. I got to meet Ron Perlman, and oh. I got to meet James Marsters. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking to you about that one. You didn't get me a signature. Yeah, I didn't think you would talk to me for a little while after mm-hmm. that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why you had to do a podcast for a while. <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> I'm just playing with her. I would have liked the uh, autograph, but I- I'm not really mad at her. Wow. I just think she's very lucky. So is there anybody else you got autographs from or, from, or just those two? It was just those two. Um, I do have some info for Kira, about Kira. She is going to be graduating the National Guard next Thursday. Yay! She's all healed up, and she's with the new platoon, so she will finish... I don't know what it is it was she had skipped out on, but uh, I, I shouldn't say skipped out because she didn't skip. She, you know, messed up her feet. Medically injured. Yeah. Mom, how did you get the dates wrong, even though the dates were, like, right on the... Uh, because those aren't the right dates. We didn't finish making the calendar up. I have one of those dry erase calendars right here next to us. Gotcha, gotcha. And I didn't move stuff over, but Z erased August. And put on uh, September for me. But I never finished the rest of it. <laughs> You're too lazy to. No, I just... Okay, maybe a little. <laughs> I caught you off guard. <laughs> um, so I also went to the doctors this week. And... Yeah. I have lost uh, a little bit more weight. I'm now down to 208. Congratulations. So... <laughs> Z's giving me a weird look. So two summers ago, I was 249. Then in June, I was 214. And since I started at Amazon and, you know, we're always moving constantly, I'm now down to 208. Yay! I don't know. That's really good, Mom. I'm proud of you. Thank you. So I don't think I have any other uh, news. So I guess we're ready. Okay. So, as you all know, this week is a kid-friendly episode, and... Oh, hold on, I'm sorry. Z apparently has some news. I got sick. Okay. Which is sad. Very sick. You gotta speak up, babe. Very sick. Did you hear him? Yes. He got sick and had a little time, so he wasn't able to go to school, but he's feeling better now. I'm glad you're feeling better. still got a stuffy nose, though. Feeling sick. Is never fun. Nope. Anyways, back to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take it away, Jade. In Thailand, 
on June 23rd. It was a Saturday, and the Wild Boars, which were a soccer group that was made up of 12 boys, had recently finished up their weekly soccer practice, and they knew of this cave nearby. And it was a well-known cave, and a lot of kids would go to the caves and explore it a bit. And um, so the entire group of boys and their coach decided to head towards the caves and explore a little. Well, inside of this cave, uh, if you go back far enough, there's kind of like this half wall where people would go and sign their names. Kind of like a... Uh, what do you call it yeah uh, and you get bragging rights like it's kind of like the uh, I made it this far type thing yeah like it's the local I dare you to do this type thing mm. in a way in, in some cases okay. maybe not <laughs> in some cases maybe not <laughs> um, so they decided that as a group, they wanted to go in and write their names on that cave wall. And so they go back into it, and that's when the monsoons kind of hit, and it begins to just rain buckets. And in a matter of not very long, they're pretty much trapped inside the cave system. So once the water levels had began to rise quickly, um, they realized that they were trapped. So a lot of the boys, or a few of the boys, decided that they would try to dig their way out. Um, and so basically they kind of went over to one of the walls and they just kept digging. And they'd take a little bit of a break and then they'd dig some more. Um, in this cave system, there are stalactites. And I don't know if you remember anything from your geology courses growing up. I do, but since there's kids and my child here, so you can remind everybody what they are. A stalactite is kind of like this rock formation that forms, I believe, kind of through salt or or mineral deposits. Mm -hmm. And basically, they become very long, sharp points sticking out. Like spikes. Um, Or spikes. Yes. I know one comes from the top, one comes from the bottom. Yes. Z, do you know which ones are which? No, but I know what they are. So I know there are stalactites. Which are on the ceiling. And I believe those... Yes. But the ones on the bottom, I can't remember what they're called. I know what they are, I just don't remember either. Anyway, the stalactites, basically they collected water, and they were able to collect enough water to keep the kids hydrated while they were in this cave. Now, if I remember correct, most of the team had gone down there, but there was like one or two boys that decided not to go, and that's how people knew yes. where they had they had went. So, thankfully, the boys at least had their coach there with them, and the coach, his name was, and I'm sorry, I'm probably going to butcher this, Ikapol Chantuang, and he trained in a Buddhist monastery. And he was able to use the meditation sessions that he had learned with the boys in the cave to help them stay calm and keep them from panicking. I know, you know I would panic. 
Do you know how many boys in total? Do you remember? Twelve. Seven thousand five hundred JK. That's a lot of boys. It was little K. Well, it wasn't little. J- I said JK. I don't know. Actually, since you mentioned that, um, let's let's go ahead and jump back into it. So, as you had said, there were a couple boys, and they were able to say, you know, last time they had seen their friends, they were either going through the cave or they had seen their uh, bikes outside of the cave. I think it was both. And they were able to, yeah. Like the boys said um, something about they were going, the team was going to head over there. And then when they went over, the parents and everybody went over there, their backpacks or their bikes and stuff were right outside. Yeah. Sorry if I interrupted. <laughs> You're good. So this whole uh, situation actually became an international collaboration. The United States sent 30 uh, people, including 17 members of the Air Force, um, to help try and save these boys and their coach. And Australia, Japan, China... Uh, I think England. Uh, my Myanmar? Myanmar? What? There's another country. Oh, okay. Myanmar and... Laos. Laos. I know Laos. And I, I think you're pronouncing that other one right. I'm glad you do, because I don't think I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long were they there? Or am I skipping ahead? You're skipping ahead. No, I'm sorry. So, in addition to uh, these countries, the British Cave Rescue Council were the ones who headed up the cave exploration that would eventually find the wild horse. When the boys were found, they were found kind of like in the middle of this island inside of the cave. Mm -hmm. So they weren't in the water. They had like a little place to sit and stand and be outside of it. Um, And they're said to have been smiling when they were found, but they were very emaciated. And what does that... Z, do you know what that means? No. So, emaciated means that they were really, really skinny because they weren't able to have any food. Oh. They were basically starving. That's a big word for food. No food. No food and starving is what it means. Okay, continue. So, the boys were found after being in the cave system for ten days. You should see the look on Z's face. His eyeballs got really big. Right? So think of an entire week of school, and then the weekend before and the weekend after. And that's about how much time they were in there. They were found, uh, let's see what this is, I think it's two and a half. The boys were approximately two and a half miles away from the exit. They're two and a half miles in the cave. Yes. Yes, so... I am actually sending you a picture. Okay. Okay. So about a third of the way in through this cave system, mm-hmm. the rescuers were able to make a base, and then they would follow um, the cave system further down. But this way, then they didn't have quite as long of a way to travel, mm-hmm. which was also helpful because in this system where it's flooded, you don't have very many pockets of air. You have to go in with an air tank. Right. 
and swim with the water. Swim, swim with the water. Swim in the water. <laughs> right, and the it's pitch black. You're in a cave. And there aren't any windows. Yes, I know this. It's not a house. Don't be smart. Problem is, is a lot of people in Thailand don't swim. So when the rescuers found the kids, they had four options. They thought about teaching the boys how to swim, finding or drilling an alternative entrance, pumping out the water that has been flooding the cave, or waiting out the monsoon altogether. But isn't it like a whole season of a monsoon? Yes. Yes. Um, The rescue team worked, and they were able to pump out about 40% of the water out of the cave um, and in fact, it said that they pumped out so much water that the nearby farmers' fields were flooded. Hopefully, they were understanding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were they were very understanding. So, in order to actually get the boys out, because again, we're dealing with the stalactites and we're in cave systems that are completely flooded. You aren't just walking along the bottom on your path. You're having to swim through this system. And so what the rescuers did was they gave the children an anesthetic. And yes, an anesthetic. It basically helps the boys go to sleep. And then they put them on a stretcher and walked the boys out of the cave. And it took three days to get them out. Didn't they also have, like, a mask over them for for going under the water or something? Yes. So the boy is strapped to the stretcher, and they've got a full face mask. And they've got two divers. And the boy is hooked up to an oxygen tank. And uh, divers also have their own oxygen tanks. Um, And this took, like I said, three days on Sunday, they were able to get four people out. Monday, they got another four people out. And then Tuesday, they got the last four of the boys and the coach out. And wasn't it like a big surprise at how fast they got the others out? If I remember the news, they got out more kids than they thought even on the first time. And then everyone was thinking, oh, it'll be another two days before they get the other ones out. And and then two days after that to get some more out. But no, it like was boom, 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 boom. Unfortunately, someone did lose their life. A man named Saman Hunan. He was bringing down air tanks into the caves when he lost consciousness because he actually ran out of oxygen in his tank. This was before, though, they had get, uh, started bringing the kids out, though, right? This yes. was just prior, I think. Yes. Overall, the boys said that they were very hungry and that they were glad that they had each other. And one of them had mentioned that, you know, he didn't feel like he had any strength left in his body. Um, And another boy had mentioned that he tried not to think about food because whenever he thought about food, it would just make him hungrier. And I know being someplace that's cold and wet and then not having food, and not having, you know, clean, necessarily, water. Right. On top of that, being in complete and total pitch black darkness. I was wondering like, if you were going to mention that. It's, that's what gets me, is it's completely dark. Because it's not like they have windows. 
spoopy scary. It's an underground spoopy. cave system. <laughs> well, they they had like flashlights or something when they first went down there, but after so long, you know. Right. I'm lucky if my little flashlight with the triple four double D extra large big round batteries lasts like ten minutes. <laughs> they were in there for ten days. That's my story. Well, I know also that um, once the kids were discovered down there in the caves and stuff, they uh, and people started coming in for rescuing and, and everything, that they had, uh, like, the parents and the families not too far from the entrance so they could keep them informed, and they had a big tent for them and everything. Keep them safe. What? Keep them safe. Yes. Well, it was also raining, so... <laughs> they had to keep them dry and keep them together. Well, they already weren't dry in the first place with what? Well, I'm talking about the parents. <laughs> and the aunts and the grandmas and grandpas. And I know that also I saw in the news, I was watching when they were bringing some of them uh, to the hospital and there were people lined up on the road with, uh, uh, what's it called, little signs and everything and cheering and clapping. It was pretty cool to see. Did they give them food though? Well, when once they yes. found them, they were sending them food. And I think Have a doctor first. or a nurse or something was one of the people that ended up going to the boys. Do you remember reading anything about that? I do not. A, a doctor or a, a some kind of a nurse or something went to the boys to check on them and, you know, see if there was any major injuries to them and uh, was able to give them those silvery blanket things to keep them warm. No, I didn't see anything about that. Those are called heated blankets, Mom. No, well, yeah, I guess they are, but they're, when most people think of heated blankets, they think of the things you plug into a wall. They couldn't obviously do that. They, they, I, I always wonder how the heck they work, because I guess it's like foil when you wrap it up around hot food. It stays hot inside. Okay, this is a What Didn't it Kill Me podcast, not a, a crisis podcast. Do you know how long the boys stayed in the hospital? Uh, I don't believe they were in there for very long. I thought they were in there for about a week, and I thought the boys were in the, the cave for a lot longer than 10 days. But you may be right. I mean, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, for some reason, I was thinking it was like 28 days or something, like, god-awful long. But They wouldn't be able to survive for that long. I didn't mean, like, they were found before 28 days. <laughs> I just thought that... Before that, they would be dead. Next podcast. Next story, you mean. Whatever. <laughs> so, uh, this is a story about uh, the Hernandez family, um, mainly about their 11-year-old daughter. Because she's young, they don't give out her name, and they don't show her actual picture or anything like that. So, we just know her name is Hernandez, and she's 11 years old, okay? So, the Hernandez... Um, were visiting Pasadena, Texas. They were visiting uh, one, of, one of the family members there. And the, the girls, the daughters, were outside playing. And they have this beagle mix named Ray, about 15 pounds. Okay? They have a pet okay. mm-hmm. They have a pet bagel. Bagel? Yes, because <laughs> I say so. Okay. When all of a sudden... The little girl says later that she noticed this man kept staring at her and looking at her weird. And and then he came over and he tried to grab her and throw her into his car. 
that's when Ray uh, came running over, like knew instantly that something was wrong, came running over, bit the guy on the leg, and let her go. So, it, no. she, well, he was freaked out because he just got bit by a dog, and she was able to, to get away. No. Uh, because there was a witness, she was able to give a description of the guy, you know, tell him it was a male, he was wearing a tank top, uh, he had a tattoo on his upper arm. I mean, a pretty good description. And then also, on uh, the, one of the houses, there was one of those security cameras for the neighborhood type thing. And it got the picture of the car and the license plate. So they were able to uh, get the guy that did it. Good. Okay, so that was first start. I just thought it was cute. You know, little beagle, or, well, I guess he's not little. He's 15 pounds. Bagel. <laughs> the bagel. <laughs> the 15-pound bagel. <laughs> That's a big bagel. That's <laughs> bagel in the universe. Okay, so, story two. Okay, the boy's name is Jonathan Gonzalez. He's eight years old, and they're in a place called Globe, Arizona. And he was in the car with his mom, who was pregnant, very pregnant, grandmom, and a little sister. So they were driving around some twists, turns, curves, ups and up and down, you know, hills and whatnot. Uh, take a drink. Whatnot, everybody take a shot. When somehow the mom lost control of the vehicle and went over the cliff. No. The cliff was... A bagel. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry. The cliff, they, they fell 150 feet down this cliff. Bagel. Not oh, my goodness. So, that's pretty far. Uh, yeah. Every, everyone lived from the crash. And the boy, Jonathan, he tried to break his window with this big, really big, thick book, but he couldn't do it. And he somehow got the phone. He found the phone and was able to call 911. And they were going to send pe- people out, you know, fire and, what, and police officers. But he, they still couldn't get out the car. So Jonathan crawled into the front seat and then went out the driver's window, and then crawled his way up the 150-foot cliff and was standing there waiting for help so that way the firemen and the rescue team could find them. And the police officer says that if he wouldn't have done that, they never would have found the vehicle because it was down so far that the only way you could have known it was there is if you walked off the road a little, you know, onto the side of, of the road and looked over. Oh my goodness. So so he saved his family and they called him Brave. The cops said That's he wasn't sure good. he could climb up that 150 foot cliff. Right? Oh my goodness. In after a car accident. You want to say that again? <laughs> you said it with the S-H. Accident. <laughs> okay. So here's here's my main one. Okay, uh, it's called Angel of the Beach. Okay? Okay. So do you remember what big event happened December 26, 2004? 2004. December 6th. You would have been nine. Would that have been... The only thing I could think of that might be something would be like 
a shuttle, like a space shuttle nope. being launched. That was... Then I have no idea. That was the Christmas tsunami. <gasps> oh! Oh, this is the one that hit um, Malaysia, it right? It hit Malaysia, and it hit all those those countries over there. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. I don't remember 9-11, but I remember this. Well, well, 9-11 was a little earlier. You were only like six, I think. So you were nine at this time. So it was during Christmas break, and there is a 10-year-old girl named Tilly Smith. And she was on vacation with her mom, her dad, and her little sister. And they were in Thailand. She said that the place was like paradise. It was beautiful crystal water and perfect sand. She she loved it. It was, it was just beautiful. Mermaids. No mermaids. So they're walking on the beach. And Tilly noticed that the ocean was being very different than what it had been days before. She said that the water was like fluffy. And it wasn't calm at all. And it was slowly going away, like receding. I'm very curious as to what fluffy ocean looks like. Like foamy. Foamy, okay. Yeah, she called it fluffy because she was, you know, nine years old or how many, 10 years old at the time. Um, right. So none of the adults or anything or anybody else were taken aback by this or noticed anything wrong. But... But Tilly remembers that just a few weeks prior, her science class talked about tsunamis and knew that the, how the water girl and remembered how the water would act before it would hit. And so she tries to tell her parents, and of course they're like, "Yeah, okay, that's interesting fact, you know. All right, they're not taking her seriously, mm-hmm. right? So they're not convinced at all, and they're just doing what parents do sometimes." Well, she starts getting hysterical and freaking out and demanding their attention and and, and saying, we have to go, we have to go. And and the water, and and it gets like this, and and the water goes, and and then big waves. And she was almost not even making any more complete sentences. She was, you know, just doing phrases. We have to leave, have to leave. Like a full-blown panic attack. Right. Yeah. Well, she, the parents didn't believe her. Or they just didn't, they didn't understand. And they're still just walking along until finally she sits down and says, "I look, I know what's going to happen. A tsunami is coming. We need to get out of here. I'm not, you know, you need to pay attention to me. Not Joker. Right. So the dad is concerned about his daughter. She's really going a little nuts, like you said, having a panic attack. So he thinks, okay, he'll take her... And her little sister back up to the hotel where she can relax and calm down. And the mom decides that she's going to continue her walk. So as they're walking back to the hotel, uh, they come across a security guard. And the father says he doesn't know why he did it, but he does stop the security guard and says, Hey, look, you're going to think I'm bonkers, uh, but my daughter is insisting that she thinks there is a tsunami coming. Well. Right next to them, a Japanese man was standing there. And tsunami is a Japanese word. And so as soon as she said it, it got his attention. And he started saying, oh, yes, I know what they are. They're very bad. And there was an earthquake in Sumatra this morning. So your daughter's right. We're going to have a tsunami. 
Well, this kicked things into gear, and security guards started calling the other security guards and the life people, uh, lifeguards, and they ran to the beach, and they started telling everybody to get out of the water. Evacuate. To, to eva- yes, very good. To evacuate. Get back to the hotel. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, so they're grabbing everybody that's in front of the hotel, in part of the hotel. And as they get the mom, and the mom, as soon as the mom gets off the beach, that's when a 30-foot wave hits the beach. Oh, my goodness And they get gracious. just to the second floor as the water all comes in and completely, you know, goes. Oh, the whole way, the whole first floor is flooded. Mom's dead. No, she made it just in time. Well, I just said the mom made as soon as the mom got off the beach. So it was about 10 minutes from the time that Tilly started noticing the water to the time the tsunami came in. Wow. So, yeah, not very long. So thank God for the Japanese guy and the security guy. And Tilly. Yeah. Well, this is why she's called the angel of the beach, because she didn't just save her family. No one from this big, huge hotel died. Uh, the whole area, wow. thousands of people died on, uh, around the area, but no one from the beach died, or no one from that hotel died. Some were injured, the but not, nobody, I did. but nobody died. And I so, did, I did. yep. So, so she's called the angel of the beach. That's amazing. Guardian angel. Yep. She was everyone's kind of guardian angel. All because she paid attention in science class. He's giving me this weird look. Please, for the love of anybody on this earth, pay attention to science. Pay attention to the kids, especially if they're pa- having panic attacks. <laughs> well, yes, that too. Please. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be able to understand them because these are the exact words they say. <laughs> well, she was saying words like, wait, and we gotta get out and leave. And, you know, so she was saying complete words, just not complete sentences. It's sometimes... It comes out like when you're on the phone and you have a spotty connection and you like you miss words in between. You just skip over them. So that is my story. So what do you think, Jade? I enjoyed it. I I know that um, I had words. I remember that time vividly, and I haven't talked about like what happened in Malaysia at all with many people because I don't know if it just wasn't a big news story for everybody else, but I remember it being a big, big, like, nationwide coverage. Yeah, it hit several countries and, and killed thousands and thousands of people. So, and, and of course, a lot of the places were vacation spots. So it's people from other countries that didn't even know what a tsunami was. Like her, right. like Tilly's family. So, yeah. And I gotta tell you that... I had the first two little stories already, and I was trying to find a third, maybe a fourth, because I thought all I was going to have was these little stories. But then Z right. reminded me of a story, and then I found this one. So our surprise oh. is that Z is telling his story that he remembered all on his own. Okay. And so I looked up cool. the information and had him watch a couple videos, or a video a couple over times. And over and over again. To make sure that he knew the story and could, could help tell it. So. Awesome! I'm excited. There's a kid named Amber Owen, eight years old, and their family was on a vacation trip in Thailand. 
There was elephants at the hotel that they were staying in. That's cool. And one of them, her favorite, was named Ning Ning. Ning Ning. Ning Ning, whatever. Every morning, they would, they would go feed the elephants bananas. Then they would go take a little walk on the beach. Or sometimes they'd play in the ocean. With the elephants. With the elephants, yes. One morning, they felt an earthquake randomly. Later that morning, Amber fed Ling and went to the beach with them. With the elephant? With the elephants. Elephants, yes. And all the other kids. But Ning didn't want to go near the water. The trainer was trying to get them into the water, but the water started to come back. Well, the water, they first noticed that the water was, I don't, I think, slowly going away too. I don't yeah. think you put that in your notes. The, and then, um, Ning ran, ditched them with, except everybody but the girl, Amber. <laughs> and, and the water was not, and the trainer ran after them. But the elephant was like, see ya. <laughs> see you later. Deuces. See you later, alligator. <laughs> but not really an alligator. <laughs> see you later, elephant. <laughs> but the wave, the first wave out of the three, wasn't very high. So, Ning Ning put them on. Put her. Put her on a concrete wall. Okay. Ning ran to ran to a higher area for himself. Yeah, for himself. Amber. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that yes. part out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Start over with Amber. Amber's mom found her on the wall. Or just sitting there staring at the water. And then they, her, her dad and mom took them back to the hotel, which is high enough to be safe for the two higher, two, two higher tsunamis. And the hotel was safe. Amber never saw Ning Ning again. Nice. But she knows that Ning Ning is still alive and works at the hotel. And then went to a different hotel. Okay. But Ning Ning was kind of famous now. And he still is doing something to this day. There's authors writing a book about it. And there's also a play based on it. Loose, yeah. Neat. Loosely based. The beginning part of the play is the same, but it's like, I think... Different. Yeah, they have the ending where she's surviving a couple days in the uh, wilderness with the elephant during the wreckage. Gotcha. But still, and it's some famous author. Uh, have you ever heard of the book War Horse? Yes. At least the book. I saw the play. Okay, well, the author of that book is the one writing the book. Ning Ning book. The, yeah, the book on uh, this Ning. event. Me. And again, it's going to be apparently, apparently it's going to be most of what happened, but the end, he, you know, got to make it an interesting book. So it's not a, right. yeah, it's not word for word, correct. 
I forget what that is. Is that called biography or auto? No, it's called biography, right? It's inspired by. Inspired by, yeah. So that is Z's story. Very well done. And he did pretty good because we just have, like, notes for him on the cards, but it's not like full sentences. So he wasn't, like, reading a paragraph or anything. So I think he did pretty good. Yeah, I think he sounded really great, especially for his first episode. Mm -hmm. And the more he was talking, the better... The more comfortable I saw him getting and and everything, because I mean he that's important. He just has notes like Ning Nang instead of his name was Ning Nang or every morning, right? And then trainer ran and never knew or you know things like that. So he they weren't full full sentences, and he was able to put it all together. I'm very proud of him. He's over here dancing. Good job, Z. We can't see Thank him dance. You. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so I hope Daryl doesn't have too much of a nightmare with the editing. Oh god. He's Me gonna too. have like the worst nightmare in the <laughs> I think he was. I don't know. I other don't think than, this one was too bad. Other than the time Bella fell off the bed <laughs> and they looked at us like, What was that for? <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, there's just been a lot of background noises over here because well dog chewing noises. Yeah, the dog was chewing on a big bone and then um, Z's bouncing kind of... Are you still recording? Yes. Okay, cool. Me too. I just wanted to make okay. sure. And then Z's kind of bouncing in his chair because he's 10 and can't sit still. <laughs> oh my. That's your funeral, not mine. <laughs> Don't put your face in there. You can see the lines. Every time you talk, it's what the ma- it's what the mic is picking up. I know. Oh, okay. Alright. So... Thank you all again for tuning in and listening to what we had. If they did. Well, if they're listening to this, they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. And we'll say bye. 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 Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast, What Didn't It Kill Me? You can find us at whatdidn'tkillme.club. You can also find links from our social media there as well. And remember, what didn't kill me makes a great podcast. Bye. Bye, everyone.